Might as well start with intros. Cool. Yeah, why don't we do that? Um, so, hey, everyone. Um, thanks for hopping in. We uh, did something pretty fun this morning, um, which we'll, we'll talk about. Um, this is Ian here from Syndicate, co-founder. Um, Will, do you want to say hi and introduce yourself and then Jacob? Sounds great. I'm Will, co-founder of Syndicate. Um, spend a lot of time on engineering protocols and uh, spent a bunch of time chatting with Jacob on our L3. Hey, uh, Jacob has strategy at Celestia Labs. Um, so basically just focus on building out the early uh, modular ecosystem. Cool. So, Will, why don't, why don't you kick us off? Like, what, <laughs> what is this thing, Syndicate Frame Chain? <laughs> why? What the hell is going on? Um, I mean, I mean, maybe like a little less funny. Like, what, what was it that sort of got us and got you into frames um, at this point? Like, was it three weeks ago? I think three weeks um, ago. Yeah, three weeks out sleep, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, like go back to that and and what what you saw there, and then like all the way from from there to now here. I mean, there's a lot of things along the way, including our API and the development around that. So maybe you just catch everyone up to speed. Yeah, sounds great. Um, so I saw Frames launch on the Friday that it launched, and people are building cool minting demos. Um, and it's like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I'll like file that away and I just couldn't stop thinking about it that Friday um, and like went to sleep and woke up and I was like I should build something in frames so I was like what's a fun idea like what's a good way to like poke fun at web 2 social and like highlight some of the unique aspects of web 3 social I was like oh yeah there's that game cow clicker cookie clicker I don't know if anyone here's played it there's also the paperclip simulator side note which is like the same genre but excellent especially meditations on ai um uh but um yeah like you basically click a lot and you get a lot of cows or cookies off chain and people like share screenshots with their results and it's all very you know web 2 very trusted very easy to fake and i was like huh what if we put that on chain wouldn't that be fun so um, I was like, I want to mint a massive number of cows, eventually like 300,000 plus um, on chain or 250,000 plus. And I was like, how do we how do we do so? Well, you know, L2s are cost prohibitive. So I just used base Sapoli at the time. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like we ate up like, you know, like 35, 40 base Sapoli ETH. But like as gas spiked across the chain, the cows would stop flowing since we had like a gas limit set um to avoid you know poly eth and i was like you know this would really benefit from an l3 i was actually messaging you even at the time i was like you know we should probably do this on an l3 but an l3 doesn't exist yet um for this kind of stuff so um yep we'll use we'll use uh we'll use test nets for now um and then a few days later um sam who's our um front end lead um built a frame api that's excellent we launched that over 50 developers on board, powers a bunch of frames, 
after launch, it was powering like three of the top 10 frames um, a couple days after launch, which was super cool. Um, and then that calms down a bit and we're like, okay, well, like we know that gas fees are cost prohibitive for a lot of experiments. Um, we know that like there's things we want to do that we haven't been able to do in L2s. Um, let's make an L3 to do what like the opportunity we spotted, um, you know, the day after frames launched. So I was messaging with Jacob, I was messaging with Jesse from base, um, and but everyone was excited. We we're like, let's do this. So um, yeah, we 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 pulled all the pieces together pretty quickly internally with partners, um, and yeah, here we are. And talk a bit about the chain. Like, what, what I mean, obviously, we we shared a lot on, on social and, and the blog post, but like, what's what's so absurd about it? I guess. Yeah, yeah. So the first thing is that the gas fees are incredibly, incredibly low. Like, one cent can handle, um, you know, millions of transactions. Um, uh, it's just amazing what you can do. Um, we have a little demo on our Warpcast frame. Um, you can find me at Will there. And that's, um, you can see it saved like 50K plus and counting um, compared to using ETH mainnet. Um, it's built on. Uh, it's built on top of Celestia. Celestia is underneath. Um, and then we settled to base, so you can really easily bridge in and out. Um, and then it's OP stack based, um, which was a pretty, pretty um, straightforward stack to work with. Um, we knew a lot of the ins and outs of OP stack from our work on top of base, base Apolia, Optimism. Um, so, you know, spinning this up felt like spinning up anything else. It was great. Yeah. I mean, just like, just, just the, the, the the like data that contract deployments nft mints token transfers basically most on-chain transactions on this l3 are like one millionth of a penny <laughs> like like sometimes actually even lower than that which is which is bonkers um and just to think about like kind of what you can then develop and like how there's basically no limits and no constraints to what you can develop is is really really exciting. I mean, will any any kind of crazy ideas for what you think people might do with this? I mean, one one fun part about this is that it's very emergent. Um, so, like, I don't know what people will build with this. We don't know what people will build with this. Um, that's exciting. Um, uh, to speculate a bit, um, I think that um, there is like a ton that can be done around on chain metadata um, and on-chain art, like what can you do when you can store a bunch of data very, very cheaply? Um, you can start to build really interesting on-chain rendering pipelines. Maybe like someone could even build like a frame, like data store for frames um, on-chain that like pulls it into web servers and such and just renders it. Maybe maybe I should build that if I have time. Um, uh, or if anyone wants to build that, please DM me. Um, and then uh, I think in the long term, like this like can get more and more specific. So um, Jacob and I were jamming on like the, the benefits of pre-compiles um, and how like you can start to embed specific smart contracts inside of the EVM um, that can uh, do things that you could not do in a standard transaction. So Polaris by the Barachain team um, is one example where it's a framework that lets you do things um, that would be um, difficult to do in a traditional smart contract. So like as the frames community has different needs and the Farcaster ecosystem has different needs, we could potentially down the road, not something we're doing right now, 
um, start to embed like some specific experiences. Like if you want a tool to generate frame metadata on chain, we could build that in um, and you can start to embed that into the layer three itself. That's amazing. Yeah. And also worth, worth kind of just calling out that um, we have like the, the frame API syndicate frame API and now the syndicate frame chain. And I mean, part, partly because gas fees are so absurdly low on, on the syndicate frame chain, but, but also for a number of other reasons, um, like we're making it so that developers using our APIs, like gas is basically free, which I guess, I guess at this point it's still like a fraction of a penny, but still, Hey, you know, they don't have to go get that gas. Right. I mean, it's more of like, the time. I mean, especially for layer three, it's like the time savings and usability benefits matter just as much. Like you don't have to, you know, like bridge, figure out where your funds are. Um, it's just like you send a transaction and it just works, which is really nice. Nice. Jacob, um, why don't you share some thoughts that you have, have on this? Yeah. So um, I think, first of all, um, this is kind of like the culmination of some thoughts I've had for like seeing this go live has been, um, it's kind of like um, the coming true of like some ideas we've had um, internally for a while um, about, um, so, I, so basically what um, what I've observed kind of in the past years uh, or, or been thinking for the past year is that um, there's kind of, to me, two big trends that I see in um, crypto infrastructure overall. One is um, basically, you know, like what we're trying to do at Celestia, which is like make box, you know, secure, credible block space really cheap and, um, you know, trend towards zero on a unit basis. Um, and then the other one is really just like sort of abstraction of onboarding and abstraction of where the user is. So account abstraction, really performing RPCs, um, you know, all the types of things. So when I came across Syndicate and Witten at Will, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is actually kind of, you guys are actually bundling together. And also this, but you have like a stack that can be customized, modularized, whatever. Um, that really goes really well. Um, no matter what chain or environment you're deploying something with Celestia, it's like what basically is missing when your chain when you when you deploy a chain or an application on really cheap block space. Um, and they and and you guys have had Syndicate, you guys have had like a lot of experience on um, you know doing this on uh, high throughput like sort of like more monolithic chains. Like you guys are doing all this stuff on Polygon elsewhere. Um, it just like really matched kind of like what we were thinking about um, at, at time. And so like the context with all this is too is that. Um, we have been looking a lot at um, ways to sort of um, bring Celestia, make Celestia underneath of um, sort of consumer crypto. Um, so a lot of the cool consumer crypto like sort of tinkering that's happening. And we think that um, it's sort of just day one for that uh, category on modular chains. Like we think like this infrastructure is going to basically set loose, um, you know, like a lot of the things that people are excited about, whether it was like Frentech or other stuff that was deployed on base. Um, it's significantly more set free. It's set. It's basically set free from all of its onboarding constraints. You can monetize any like emergent ecosystem or things that people build on top of the chain, um, et cetera. And so we think there's going to be this migration of certain apps from, um, you know, you know, basically apps that are on base or Arbitrum One or Ethereum mainnet to their own chains and L2s, L3s uh, of Ethereum. And so um, this is this basically gets you. The ability to uh, with, with cheap DA it basically gets you the ability to uh, monetize the block space to onboard users basically for free, um, you know, and uh, basically uh, you know not have any of the constraints of sort of being on um, you know a chain that is like sort of subject to um, the fee market, you know, the cost of call data uh, on uh, on Ethereum. And so 
Um, so that's basically going to allow for all sorts of stuff to emerge uh, on top of Ethereum and in the Ethereum ecosystem be around base, I think is probably one of the most fertile grounds for this because the onboarding, it's, it also solves the onboarding experience, right? Like you, you know, a lot of times people talk about like sort of fragmentation or the challenges around um, building, you know, in this architecture um, and base kind of just like checks all the boxes in terms of that first, like sort of few interactions that a user has from not being on chain to being on chain um, base kind of lets you, well, it kind of lets you go within a few one, you know, only a few interactions uh, from like, say like not being in crypto, maybe you have dollars in your bank account um, to basically interacting with something like a frame uh, on L3, like pr pretty easily. And so um, I think that that's probably, we're, we're trying to shrink that time to interacting with a new, with applications on their own block space. And base is just like a, feels like a massive accelerant of that of that trend basically do you have a um do you have a definition for like l2 versus l3 i mean i don't want to i don't oh, I think it's actually like rather, a religious war here no but, it's not yeah. religious yeah, yeah so it's actually simple in this case so so the good news is that that particular thing is simple so um so an l3 is just an l you can think of it as an l3 like if if base base is just a you know ethereum is to uh, it's the base, what base is to the frame chain, right? So it's basically where is the bridge? Uh, in this case, it's like, where is the bridge um, that basically, that, you know, basically determines the fork choice rule of the, the chain and also lets users, you know, bridge in assets or, or onboard. Um, and so basically, uh, you know, you can sort of think of it as just wherever that validating bridge is, um, as they say, um, you know, it's, it's basically in this case, the validating bridge is on base. Uh, and so it makes it an L3. Uh, but if the validating bridge was on Ethereum, like the way Base's uh, validating bridge is, then um, it would be an L2. Yeah. Will, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, in general, I think like the my own personal framing on it is like you go to um, like uh, you. I would say the way I frame it is like L3s tend to be opinionated about a particular use case. They're opinionated about um a particular um target customer for example um uh like oh this is a chain for um like you know a a this like this this company or this is a chain for this protocol and you're like starting to see some of that like i think DeFi was like some of the DeFi migrations to their own chains were really on the vanguard of this but l3s will just make this even easier and even better um and then I think the other use case is like you have it targeted around a particular ecosystem. For us, it's the Farcaster Frames ecosystem. Um, you could definitely see that emerging um, in different gaming ecosystems as well. Whereas L2s are these good homes for like a bit of everything. Like I feel like my 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 mental model is like you go to an L2 when you want um, like some experience similar to ETH mainnet. But cheaper and then you go to an l3 when you know the specific experience you're looking for um so it's almost like um you know uh l2s are the cities and like l3s are the blocks like the specific block has a specific purpose city block not um you know <laughs> block space um <laughs> need to clarify here um and like you go to those when you know like in san francisco i know which block i go to if i want to get a burrito i know which block i go to if i want to go to a park I know which block I go to if I want to go to um, like a a great co-working space. Um, but if I don't know what I want to do, I'll just go into San Francisco itself. Um, I view L2s and L3s as a similar analogy. 
Yeah, I actually think the real question um, too is like sort of more question of like, do L3s sort of like, do they scale Ethereum, right? Like that's kind of like the other question. And I think that's like maybe where you get into like some of these religious questions. But to be honest, I think they are really good. A good way to think about it is I think that to Will's point, like like the big L2s, they're basically like just more scalable general purpose chains that look like Ethereum mainnet. And people basically use them as cheaper, more scalable versions. So for example, like Base, Arbitrum 1, et cetera, they're really good places to onboard uh, you know, users into and just people just kind of deploy stuff there and like they try stuff there and like, or in the Arbitrum's case, you know, there's lots of DeFi that kind of that's, that's, that's active there, um, et cetera. And so there's a lot of liquidity. Um, and so basically like um, they, they kind of serve as like, basically like they basically just expand what's possible around Ethereum and like what's on top of Ethereum. And then L3s kind of are like, well, the, when you, what, what you're constrained by that architecture entirely by, but like basically um, they just basically, you know, let you do sort of some single purpose thing, like Will's saying, but without the constraints of like trying to satisfy um, or be like an on something that just like serve as like sort of like an onboarding or just sort of always on thing that people deploy, um, deploy smart contracts to or whatever. It's just like feels like it's just usually anchored around a single a single purpose um, in general, too, is what I've seen as well. See a comment here when, when L4s. <laughs> too soon <laughs> i guess i guess will that's the next thing that uh you can build <laughs> next weekend next week i mean <laughs> at a certain point like you <laughs> at a certain point you don't need more block space i don't know i mean i feel like a millionth of a penny um gets close enough from a fees perspective and then throughput becomes a limiting factor and i think side note like that's that's one one thing that like l3s still need to solve um is like you can have the lowest fees you want, you can have all the block space you want, um, but if you can't process transactions fast enough, like that will be your limiting factor. That's our limiting factor on TPS. There are various approaches to solving it. Um, Jeremy's in the audience. Jeremy um, used to be at Syndicate um, and is now at Say, which is working on parallelized EVMs. Um, that's one approach. Um, you've also seen other approaches to embedding alternative virtual machines um, that like just like don't that that are more multi-threaded by nature um whether that's like aptos and sui and like the move ecosystem um which is more paralyzed or whether that's even like the emerging like just run any rust um code inside of a virtual machine so like at a certain point you'll start to cap it out that's why i think on like a more serious note l4s are probably less necessary right now is because like with with our l3 the scaling limitation is not um fees and it's not um block space it's like how fast the evm can process transactions um that that needs to be solved before we can unlock massive massive scale all right so i think we can just open it up to questions if folks want to ask anything you can also drop it in as a comment no I'll, I'll look for it just raise your hand and i'll call you up jacob was there something Oh, I was actually just going to say, I'd be curious, like, how to hear your guys experience, like, sort of building frames. Like, I'd just be curious to understand, like, first of all, like, what you've learned doing it um, so far as Syndicate and, like, kind of, like, what are some of the coolest ones you've seen? Like, what are some of the, like, basically what, um, basically, you know, what interesting new user behaviors are we seeing, you know, with them? Because, um, like, I, you know, obviously a lot of us have, have tried out, we've all used it. Um, but it's just like different, like probably hearing it from you guys in terms of 
um, like what you're seeing really up close. Yeah, I'm happy to walk you walk walk people through it. Um, so essentially, there's like a few ways to think about it. Um, basically, like the user the usability integration of frames is that you don't need to connect a wallet and you don't need managed gas. That's really nice. So you just connect your wallet once to Farcaster, and then after that, any click you do to a frame um, just mints for you. Either using the Syndicate Frame API. Um, there's a few other approaches that people are taking. Um, we're one of the most popular ones um, in terms of how how they how how people think about it. Um, so uh, that's really cool. No connect wallet, no gas management. Like you've just solved the two biggest uh, onboarding barriers in crypto. Um, but then it goes deeper than that. There's actually something really interesting about frames under the hood. So frames rely on a standard called the Open Graph standard. The Open Graph standard was created in I think 2010, um, sometime around then. Um, by Facebook. Um, and it was basically a way for social media companies to have um, common definitions of like social embedding. So like, um, you know, you drop a Twitter link, it shows you an image, it shows you a link text, it shows you a title, all that comes from open graph tags. And that's why the same image appears on Facebook um, and Twitter is because it's defined in these tags that they then render. Um, so the interesting part about it is like Farcaster Frames is built on this open standard. Um, but one thing that's really cool about it being an open standard is that any client can implement it. So XMTP is looking at integrating frames. Other Warpcast, other Farcaster clients, in addition to Warpcast, can implement their own frames. And then from the developer's perspective, I don't need to build a UI. All I need to do is just say, here's the image that should exist. Here's the buttons that should exist. Um, and then any client renders it in the way that they see fit um, according to the data I've specified. So it's like actually really interoperable. It's not Farcaster specific in any way. Um, I'm very impressed by how they've built it out. And I think it has the potential for significant adoption in crypto um, because it relies on a pretty robust standard that's been around for a while that's proven to be open, proven to be interoperable. Um, it's a very nice implementation. I'm quite impressed by it. Yeah, I think the other interesting thing is like, you know, Dan Romero has talked a lot, um, especially recently, kind of since frames about how, like the way that they're building Warpcast, Farcast is that like it's web two in the front and like web three in the back. He sometimes refers to it as like a web three mullet or whatever. Sort of funny. Um, but I think like the, the even even frames itself can be kind of viewed that way. It's like web two in the front with open graph and like um and like obviously the interface of Warpcast is is like a web two client, but then everything behind that um is is web three and it's it's actually abstracted. So it's not just that it's web three, but it's actually abstracted in many ways, particularly to the end user, right? Um, like what Will just said, like no kind of transaction signing, no wallet, um, at least that you have to directly interact with. So I think like from my perspective, one of the really interesting things about frames is just sort of that design pattern essentially, or that, that interaction pattern. Um, and, and whether that interaction pattern and that sort of design pattern or development pattern, um, actually becomes more prevalent, leads to more web three, you know, usage and adoption and mainstreaming and actually like, are there things other than frames or are there going to be kind of new ways to expand upon frames 
that is beyond kind of the way it it currently looks and and feels and the way people think about it today. Um, you know, right now in the form of social posts, could it apply to many many other things? So that's kind of like what I'm I'm really excited about when I when I look at frames and 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 also like what I think the potential for it broadly might be in the future. I mean, Jacob, you you've also been following this too. Like, what what are your thoughts um, to that? And and do you have any other ideas? Um, I think like the th- the thing that I'm most interested in to see with with Farcaster and Frames is like, um, so to me, a lot of it feels like, so so I don't know if people remember when like AMP came out for news articles on Fight F- Facebook, where it's basically like let you. Um, this is kind of like pre, it would like pre preload an article. So you basically have the experience of like you're on Facebook and you're like scrolling through, you click an article about, you know, a New York times article. Cause they're like, they follow this AMP thing. And so basically, um, you just like, it just opens instantly. No, no, um, you know, no lag, you know, none of the, like, you know, sort of like here's open up this like external web browser, whatever thing experience, um, to me frames feel like that, but completely programmable. Right. It's like it feels like you're basically you just have this like instant uh, activation energy. Like it just like basically instantly gets you over a lot of the activation energy of interacting with some apps like a lot of in a lot of the social media, you know, social media companies have done this through um, they built like embed, embedded stuff, you know, all over the place. So like, that part is not really necessarily new. Um, I think the part that's interesting is more just the expressivity of it. The fact that's like what Tool is saying is like that it's like fully open. And expressive and like that's also why i'm kind of skeptical of whenever people sort of talk about forecasters like locking into any ecosystem it seems to me like forecaster is actually the the like the thing that's closer to the user and then basically everything else is kind of abstracted out of there and like for us the way we see it i think at celestia would be that well we just want a lot of these things that people build on here we're just like uh, we have a lot of pmf for the types of you know the as a piece of infrastructure for people building uh, apps on uh, on top of that like sort of um struck you know in that in that model uh where um you know there's sort of lots of different people experimenting with different chains and applications on different chains etc and so um, i think that direction feels um like that combined with that like level of expressivity and like freedom i guess combined with like the that instant sort of like that feeling of instant um you know sort of conversion uh feels very uh very powerful um and very like in, in terms of like where it goes next i feel like it's sort of like one of these things where it could potentially it does potentially still f- fall into the or like hit the limits of um you know an existing you know sort of like social networks and and whatnot but like at least this like behavior pattern has kind of been confirmed again or like etc and it's like uh, it's, it's rare that you find sort of these situations where things take off in that viral of a way, um, you know, due to that. And so like, like, I think the big question will be just like how, what kind of apps like really actually make sense or are valuable there the way that like, you know, obviously say the same thing with like Facebook or others, like there's just like certain types of, um, you know, games or applications or whatever that just like are especially suited to that. Like you have like, like Zynga or like all these other things that Farmville, this, this sort of stuff that, that got built there. And um, it just feels like you can build very powerful owner, you know, ownership driven, um, applications like the mint the penny type thing is just obviously just like a demo, but uh, it gives you an idea of kind of like the kinds of kinds of things that are that are possible, um, et cetera. Um, you can imagine also like if there's actually the right 
type of um, sort of influencer people on there, like beyond just crypto. Um, you could imagine, um, you know, people with a huge reach just being able to like instantly drop an NFT and or like a, a product you know, that's represented as an NFT and people are just basically buying it all up instantly or acquiring it instantly or interacting with it instantly. And so it's just kind of like has this like sort of instant conversion factor that could really just um, take off. And it's just not going to take off unless there's to the, to the extent that it could, unless there's really, really cheap uh, underlying, you know, good block space, I think. Um, and so that's kind of what we're, what we're trying to solve in that equation. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, there's a question, there's a question around frames specifically, just, just like when they click your frame will, um, or another frame, like what, what is actually happening? <laughs> like when it says, you know, NFT, like where, where's that NFT going? Uh, yeah, I can kind of give like the journey of that click. So essentially, um, the frame, uh, itself defines, um, uh, a place where clicks go. So I essentially say here's four buttons mint store data new contract refresh gas um and uh when those clicks happen um send it to the server that's running um the server then receives that the warpcast proxies that click so like i don't get the user's ip address it goes through the warpcast backend and that goes to us um uh and what we receive is a signed message the user has signed a message when they clicked um basically stating that they've clicked and um, some additional data. Um, and then um, from that info, we can extract the user's forecaster ID, um, grab their connected address using the um, Maynard API, um, which is an API for interacting with forecaster data. Um, and then we use Syndicate's frame API to do the mint. Um, so you click, the frame tells uh, Warpcast where that click should go. It goes to our backend. Our backend verifies that you were in fact the one who clicked um, via the signed data that was generated upon clicking, um, and then the image is processed. So it's pretty simple overall. Um, we have some examples on frame.syndicate.io about how to do this. Um, doesn't take too long to put together. Um, the longest, the the hardest part is deploying the smart contract. Everything else is 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 pretty easy. Well, like if people want to build a frame or they, they, get, they get really kind of excited or um, like inspired by what you just shared and, and some of these ideas here, um, like, okay, someone wants to like try to build their first frame and maybe they want to use our API or maybe they don't. I don't know. Um, like what, what, what should they be doing? What's, yeah. 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 So um, we're compatible with any smart contracts. So you don't have to write your own. People have hooked us up to ethereum attestation service um, on base um, uh, you could use us with you know existing contracts like zora and manifold contracts um, uh, or you can write your own um, but um, yeah we have a bunch of starters that make it pretty easy to fork um, so if you're comfortable with the command line um, you can get a frame set up uh, pretty easily um, you choose a contract you want you state what the frame should have um, you plug in some api keys and then you're pretty much good to go um i'd say like the frame experience isn't you know incredibly simple yet in terms of where the ecosystem is um but uh i mean we're a developer tool we lean more towards customizability um there's some cool no code tools as well like um manifold and zora have no code frame tools nanar has like a view only frame um that's a no code tool so uh yeah we're very much focused on developers but like frames are getting easier and easier to spin up 
um, as we go. Um, a question, yeah, for, I mean, Jacob, I think maybe you wanted to ask this question around like developer experience and stuff. Yeah. I think my question would be like, what are the pain points still in building a high through? Like, so you're like, okay, we got, we have cheap DA. That's great. Cheap, good DA. Great. Um, a lot of like, you know, there's obviously, you know, there's like good distribution points. Like, you know, you can, you can put it through, you know, Farcasters like got lots of attention on it right now. So it's just like very fertile for this. Um, what are, what are the pain points though? Like, what are the, what sort of like holds back sort of, you know, going from say, maybe there's like a hundred developers at the max that have maybe deployed a frame or whatever, say at this point, what, what prevents it from going to a thousand or 10,000? Like what's the, like, what are the remaining like developer experience hurdles and, and whatnot? What, what were the most painful parts, et cetera, for you? Uh, well, yeah. So I think, um, uh, one, I, I'd say like frames are pretty accessible with, um, you know, a tiny bit of front and back end experience. You don't need much. They're also accessible with a tiny bit of solidity experience if you want to deploy your own smart contract. Of course, having someone who feels comfortable with all three is already a small group of people. Um, there's not that many people who feel comfortable across all three of those stacks. Like there's a lot of people who are comfortable with just solidity and not back end or front end. Likewise, a lot of people are comfortable with back end, front end, and not solidity. So needing to know that collection of technology is probably the biggest barrier to start um uh though like realistically like gpt4 can get you most of the way there on stuff like this um like we had people who were like i've never written a smart contract before but i took your example starter and i put it into gpt4 and like i got the results back i wanted and they sent it to me and i was like yeah like that contract looks pretty good like a few little optimizations here and there but like we don't need to do do gas optimizations a ton on on chains that are like a tiny tiny fraction of a penny um uh, and then I'd say the other developer experience barrier right now is that the testing experience isn't super easy. Um, so like for the demo that I built, um, it's like a pretty complicated pipeline. Um, the code is also like, you know, like <laughs> it's functional. I, I'm going to go back and revise the architecture so that it's less, um, you know, prototypey, um, to put it that way. Um, uh, but the code for the, for the, um, gas savings demo that we have, like, we did do an entire image rendering pipeline. So I basically built a web page and I screenshotted that web page to use as the frame image on the server itself. Um, and then like uh, Warpcast has like a cache that like makes it um, like some data get outdated. So I had to like um, eliminate that cache uh, and like do a bunch of stuff there. There's like still, I'd say like it's easy to launch a frame. It's hard to launch like a really nice to use frame um like getting the frame working was pretty quick making the frame really nice to use that took a while because there's all these little tweaks you have to do here and there to get it really good yeah i wanted to just one i want to highlight one thing you mentioned though which is that in an environment where the fees are actually really really low and there's like you're on your own dedicated block space it's like the whole like sort of sort of history of like folks on Ethereum writing like these really gas, like really putting a lot of effort into gas golfing and all this kind of stuff kind of starts to go away, uh, I think, or like, or, or it becomes less of like a main character in the story uh, of like building these things. And so it seems like that's what I've observed is like, on folks building on Celestia broadly, is like they kind of just don't, it, it, it really dramatically increases time to market because people don't, um, aren't as worried about uh, you know, like how um, 
you know, basically how how efficient the like the code is and the solidity code is. Um, uh, given that like most of the, like the most of the cost is really coming from DA, and if you relieve that bottleneck, it's kind of like you know everything is now cheaper, right? And so um, it seems like that's that's what we've observed um, pretty widely across the board of like people building on us. They've they've sort of or like people who have talked to you know, we've talked to about building on us. That's sort of been a an appealing uh, aspect of it. Yeah, and that's definitely changed people's mindsets for developing smart contracts. So I mean, back you know like when I was developing on Ethereum mainnet. In 2021, each contract deployment would be like 500 bucks, um, and uh, you'd want to do a lot of testing um, before you deployed. Um, and sometimes, if I had like one typo, um, I'd be like, ah, <laughs> and then you know, there's another 500 dollars to deploy. Um, it's very painful. Um, uh, and uh, Solidity, um, uh, a lot of the development practices are really built around um, these very high value use cases. Um, and you do a ton of testing, a ton of fuzzing, sometimes even formal verification. We have an incredibly in-depth security stack for our own protocols with like fuzzing, formal verifications, regular audits. Um, but that very much emerged in a time where the vast majority of use cases were handling money or highly important assets. On the frame stuff is a very different type of solidity coding. It's like, oh, this is like a fun experiment and people are going to use it and they're going to try it out. And like, I want this to be something I can get out in a few days. And I want this to be something that like everyone can play with and explore. And like, it's not holding any funds. Um, it's like, you know, there's no monetary value. It's like, it's a fun thing to do on chain. And then the benefit of um, layer threes and the benefit of ultra low gas fees with with all DA is that it can change your mentality for how you develop smart contracts because instead of needing to um, like plan everything up front, you can just add pieces incrementally, um, which is quite unique and normally quite hard to do. Um, something that we've spent a lot of time building frameworks to allow for. Um, being able to have a more incremental development style, I think will be um, much better for showing people, Hey, Solidity, like, like, yes, like building a DeFi protocol is really, really hard. Um, but like, if you want to take an NFT and, you know, give someone a, an, a, a, a rare NFT if they take certain actions, um, that's pretty easy. Um, and that, that's something that, that people can start to learn to customize. Yeah, that's really, that's a key insight. I think um, that's something um, that I was sort of picking up on from, you know, both see sort of talking to you about what you're doing and then just like talking to folks. And I think a lot of it too is just like there's some over there's some minimum amount of infra that's going to be needed. I think especially like account like like you know sort of very generalized things like account extraction reliable or you know high high highly scalable RPCs, etc. Like all that stuff is there. You can kind of just like abuse it and then grow, you know, you know, sort of continue to expand what you're doing on chain uh, further and further after that. So um, I think um, we're, we're very, definitely very excited to, you know, sort of support or work with people who are, who are doing that um, as Celestia, because it's just like kind of using what we, using Celestia, you know, what Celestia enables um, in collaboration with other uh, pieces of infrastructure to, uh, to like sort of like the, the fullest extent. So excited. So Will, if, um... Or Jacob, like if people want to um, talk to Celestia or if they want to start building frames right now, <laughs> uh, what should they do and how, how should they get in touch? 
So on the Celestia side, if you're building it, it's really just like if you're building a chain. Uh, and you know, we're our, our you know DMs are all open on the team. Like or at least a lot of folks are. Mine definitely are. Um, folks can always ping, reach out. You know, um, and we'll, we'll you know obviously try to help. Um, there's obviously a lot of like well, also role on service teams. I believe by the way, like will you guys had deployed this through I think Caldera, right? Um, and so Caldera, Conduit, Gelato, there's a whole list, you know, a whole number of these folks that are um, sort of building a uh, role for the service infra that let people just sort of, um, you know, or Conduit, for example, just put out their self-service yesterday. And then I think Caldera was like last week or the week before. Um, and basically the, the, these, these platforms, like they basically give you oversell type experience, you know, where you basically can just go and you can just like, you know, through a few clicks for a few thousand dollars a month, you can start like deploying one of these chains and um basically um we think that that experience is definitely you know like that that's that's one of the best ways to tap into you know the benefits of something like celestia um but i'd love to hear you know i don't know i'd love to we'd love to send uh frame developers wherever wherever you guys at syndicate tell us to to send them <laughs> so just tell us uh what, what makes sense will yeah on the syndicate side um we actually just launched alongside this like self-serve api keys and such so you no longer have to DM me for an API key. Still DM me um, if you want to, and I can help you get set up. Um, but you don't have to, which is nice for you know when I'm asleep um, and such. Uh, we have um, a lot of great resources on frame.syndicate.io. Starters you can fork, a bunch of examples. Um, it's pretty easy to get set up. Um, most people like it. The integrating syndicate frame API takes a few minutes, and like we handle a lot of the forecaster specific things you'd need to worry about and getting all the transactions on chain. Um, and then beyond that, um, yeah, you can DM me um, on Telegram. My username is the same as here at Will Papper on Warpcast at Will. Um, and I'm happy to help anyone debug, get set up, um, whatever they need. Um, but frame.syndicate.io is a great place to start. Nice. And we also opened a uh, syndicate channel on Forecaster too, so people can um, cast to that and we'll we'll be able to see it. All right. Um, Will, Jacob, anything else? Um, any questions from the audience? Um, otherwise, we can start to wrap this up. No? Okay, cool. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening in. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, really hope that you heard something here that was like exciting, inspiring, and maybe, uh, you know, um, encourages you to build build stuff on syndicate frame chain or get in touch with will or jacob or i um so uh thanks so much excited to see what you guys do with this super excited about the future of yeah yeah go to jump. yeah can't wait to see where we go next so take care guys Pretty yeah, much. have a great day. Motherfucker screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape them under the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets. Dead ants dragging out the max amount of pain. It's red down days, got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these tokenomics They probing this bear, flexing broken Honest, I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting honest And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic Never known the politic, I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity 
before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss, it's all moss And I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning, forming mycological bonds Click the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse, misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay Stacked in non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is played for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybelines. They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts And send a Messenger East, y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse, misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served